This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Wahib in Washington. Here's what's coming up on African News Tonight. Look, the international community, the, the United States in particular, are looking for a clear definition of, of timetable uh, for a return to constitutional rule. What Ngema is doing in Gabon uh, reminds me a bit of what's been happening in, in Guinea and West Africa. That's Alex Vines, who leads the Africa program at Chatham House on the U.S. asking Gabon to return to constitutional order. Details coming up also. We look at the ongoing political crisis in Senegal. And Nigeria's government orders federal colleges in Abuja to close following security threats by kidnappers. These stories and more on African News Tonight. We start with our top story. Hundreds of Senegalese took to the streets of Dakar Saturday to demonstrate both in support of and against President Macky Sall. His postponement of the presidential election, which was initially scheduled for yesterday, has sparked a political crisis. Protests against the delay have resulted in violent clashes with security forces, arrests and mobile internet cuts, increasing tensions in one of Africa's most stable democracies. For more insights into the political, uh, into the politics of Senegal, VOA's Paul Ndiho spoke with Dr. Momar Dieng, a Harvard University professor and dean of the School of Business at the African Leadership University in Kigali, Rwanda. He previously served as senior technical and policy advisor in Senegal's Ministry of Education. The situation in Senegal is somewhat um, frustrating especially for someone like me who's invested a lot of his time uh, in, uh, uh, you know, uh, fighting for democracy in Senegal. I remember back in 2011, 2010, I actually quit my job and I was part of a group of uh, young uh, diaspora, uh, you know, young professionals in the diaspora who were fighting to prevent uh, President Abdullahi Wad at the time from uh, uh, trying to run for a third term. We, we, we were, you know, by the side of President Macky Sall uh, when he was elected in 2012. And that's what prompted me to go back to Senegal from the U.S. back then uh, to try to, uh, you know, help him even further uh, in the sector, in the education sector. I left my, uh, my job in the U.S. and went back to work for the Ministry of Education. Why am I telling you this? Just to say that it's very um, frustrating to see that we've come back to square one. All of those gains that were made back in 2012 uh, look like they have, been com- they have completely uh, uh, evaporated, right? We are uh, now talking again about uh, third terms and, and, and postponing elections, which has never happened before in our country. Uh, uh, Senegal used to be considered a beacon of democracy, an example uh, for, uh, frankly, all African, all other African countries. We are one of the only countries on the continent that's never seen uh, a military coup and so on and so forth. Uh, but we are finding ourselves in a situation where we don't even know when our next presidential election is going to be held, right? Because there's so much... Uh, murkiness and and uh, and so much confusion around the current situation and and the president has not made any clear or convincing uh, uh, statement to to that effect so we are still waiting to understand what will happen in fairness to the president the president has uh, come out uh, uh, 
and said that he's not going to run uh, at the end of uh, his uh, term. Obviously, there are a lot of skeptics uh, who say that, uh, uh, wait a minute, uh, this could be uh, a political gimmick. He's trying to play a game with uh, the people of uh, Senegal. Yeah? Uh, is it possible that uh, he's trying to buy time uh, to figure out how to, to take this thing to the next level? I, I really uh, hope that he has the, the wisdom to understand that what was not possible 10 years or 12 years ago with President Watt is not going to be possible again. Now, of course, his latest actions are, are not uh, uh, very comforting, I, I, I must say. And, and I'm praying at this point that uh, he can uh, really uh, regain control of the situation and set a date for the elections, which is all that the Senegalese people are waiting for. What happens in the event that uh, he does not comply with the constitutional court uh, ruling? On April 2nd, his term comes to an end. So he will no longer be president of Senegal come April 2nd. So all of this delaying is actually jeopardizing the stability of the country. And I think he should realize it. I think he realizes it. So the sooner we can come uh, to a the, resu the, the resumption of the process, the better it will be, because we have a very tight deadline between now and April 2nd for campaigning to... To, to take place. For. There is still time for President Macky Sall to set a date and to uh, put us back on the right course, and I hope he does. That was Dr. Momar Dieng, a Harvard University professor and dean of the School of Business at the African Leadership University in Kigali, Rwanda. He spoke to VOA's Paul Indiho. The United States has reiterated the need for a quick return to constitutional order in Gabon in the wake of an August 30 coup, but says economic and diplomatic relations will be reinforced despite sanctions imposed on coup leaders. Military leader General Brice Clotaire Oligui Nguema is trying to justify the coup and allay fears that he plans to hold on to power indefinitely. Alex Vines leads the Africa program and is currently Managing Director for Risk, Ethics and Resilience at Chatham House. He tells me he is not surprised by the statement from Washington. He points out that it is consistent with Washington's concern for a quick transition back to constitutional rule. Well, the United States, amongst a number of international partners, uh, are concerned that what's happening on the African continent at the moment is that junta's keep just extending the, their tenure following coups. So Gabon, uh, as you mentioned, is the most recent coup, just six months old. So the U.S. is putting a, a lot of pressure to focus the junta's attention that it needs to define a very clear-cut timetable. Uh, and return to constitutional rule. So I'm not surprised by the statement out of Washington at all. It, it's consistent with Washington's concern that, that there is an example of a quicker transition back to constitutional rule uh, in, in Gabon than what we're seeing in West Africa currently. While, you know, the Sahel's junta leaders of Burkina Faso, Niger, Guinea and Mali have kind of largely isolated themselves from regional organizations like the Economic Community of West African States, ECOWAS, Nguema has sought out a wide array of partners and called on them to readmit Gabon to global institutions. Will his approach work? Some of these juntas are trying to re-engage. The Guinea junta had, for example, been arguing 
that it should, you know, that it had a transition process, but they have just dissolved a government, the, the administration there, uh, and are, and so uh, I think this puts focus on Engema and Gabon in particular, that the, the coup was seen as uh, as a bit different from some of the Sahelian junta's and that there was an, uh, an opportunity to ensure a much tighter, tighter time frame for a return to constitutional rule. Uh, I think uh, Washington would like to see a year, uh, and uh, we're already six months into that process already, hence uh, I, I think the timing of the statement now. Uh, Nguema is repeatedly arguing that his actions will preserve and improve the country's democracy, reorganizing institutions in order to make them more democratic and more in line with international standards. Are those enough for him to, to be accepted by the international community? Look, the international community, the, the United States in particular, are looking for a clear definition of, of timetable uh, for a return to constitutional rule. What Ngema is doing in Gabon uh, reminds me a bit of what's been happening in, in Guinea and West Africa, where the junta there also said that it was going to restructure institutions, uh, do a census, rebuild things, uh, and it negotiated a timetable for return to constitutional rule uh, uh, with, with, with multi-party elections. But, but as uh, some of your listeners will, will, will be aware, that in Guinea, the, the uh, transitional government there has been suspended by the junta, and we don't know where that's going. So there's real alarm in Washington that, that men in uniform, uh, purchased once they get into power, uh, find all sorts of reasons to delay their departure. Hence, I think, the timing of the pressure on, on, uh, on Ngema and uh, the, the military in Gabon at the moment, that they really need to clearly define uh, their exit strategy. And lastly, Alex, uh, regarding Gabon, I'm just curious. There have been multiple coups over the past three years in Africa's former French colonies. Why so many coups, like in Mali, Guinea, Burkina Faso, Chad, Niger, Tunisia, and now Gabon? Yeah, I mean, there have been attempted coups in Anglophone uh, countries also, and possibly in Lusophone, so not exclusive to the Francophone Africa. But I do think that something that, that, that they, they all have in similarity are weaker institutions. Uh, not all coups are the same. The, the, the Burkina Faso, Niger and Mali coups are a bit different from Guinea and Gabon, which were responses to, to block, blocked um, electoral processes, basically. I fear, though, that the countries most vulnerable for, uh, for coups in 2024 will be those with weak institutions, especially those that have had experience of coups in the past. Uh, and the uncertainty in Guinea over the last couple of days, uh, I think, uh, is an indicator of the fragility of these junta regimes. Alex Vines leads the Africa program and is currently managing director for risk, ethics and resilience at Chatham House. He talked to me from London. West Africa's regional bloc ECOWAS says it is easing sanctions imposed on Guinea and Mali a day after announcing a similar decision for Niger. All three countries are under military rule. ECOWAS said it was lifting financial and economic sanctions against Guinea and ending restrictions on the recruitment of Malians to professional positions within the bloc's institutions. The French news agency AFP says the measures concerning Guinea and Mali were decided during Saturday's emergency summit. 
The bloc imposed sanctions following military coups in the countries between 2020 and 2023. You're listening to African News Tonight. I'm Yehaya Suhib in Washington. And for more information on these and other stories from the continent, please see voaafrica.com. There you'll find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. For world news, check out voanews.com. A French journalist has been detained while visiting Ethiopia for a recent African Union summit. A publisher says Antoine Galindo, a Paris-based correspondent for the Africa Intelligent website, was detained in the capital Addis Ababa last Thursday by plainclothes security officers. According to Indingo Publications, Galindo arrived in Ethiopia earlier this month and had a visa authorizing him to work as a journalist. Galindo was detained as he was interviewing Bate Orgesa, spokesperson for the Oromo Liberation Front opposition party. Bate was also arrested and was still in custody, according to the Committee to Protect Journalists. The French news agency AFP says Ethiopia's government has not publicly commented on Galindo's case. Indigo Publications said that a judge on Saturday ordered the extension of Galindo's detention until March 1st on charges of conspiracy to create chaos in Ethiopia. Nigeria's government has ordered federal government colleges in Abuja to close following security threats by bandits who have been kidnapping residents of nearby communities. We have more details from Abuja. Since the infamous kidnapping of 276 girls from a school in Chibok, Borno State in 2014 by Islamic militant group Boko Haram, school attacks and kidnapping have steadily increased. They have had a chilling effect on education in Nigeria. Many parents are afraid to send their children to school, and some schools have been forced to close, especially in the northwest and northeast. National Coordinator of Nigeria Parents Forum, Monday Eze, decried the continuous kidnapping of students and sometimes teachers for ransom. Security is a national challenge to Nigeria. It is no longer anything about Northeast. It is general. Everywhere in Kaduna, in Oweri, in Ebony, in River, we have seen students kidnapped on their way to school. Sometimes by bandits, sometimes by direct kidnappers, sometimes by these people that um, sell children. So it is a general problem. It's not restricted to any part of the country. And it is a serious problem affecting everybody in this country and every family. As it says, he has reservations about the way security is being handled in the country. He calls on Nigerian authorities to expedite a lasting solution to the matter. According to a report released by Save the Children International, about 1,683 school children were kidnapped across Nigeria between February 2014 and December 2022. 41 students have been kidnapped under the administration of President Tinubu, even though some of the captives have been rescued. 
Professor Barclays Ayakoroma is the acting vice chancellor of the University of Africa, Tonronroa, in Bayasa State. It's quite unfortunate, especially in the northern part of the country. The security challenges are enormous and uh, it has affected education in the area in the sense that children are afraid to go to school because you never can tell when kidnappers will attack. So people are living in palpable fear, which is not the best for the educational system. He says if not quickly checked, the situation could discourage some students from continuing with their studies. Some schools and campuses have employed vigilantes armed with local weapons, but this has often proved ineffective against the heavily armed bandits. David Okoro is a security expert and chief security strategist at the International Institute for Security and Governance Studies in Abuja. The government of Nigeria had quietly developed a national plan on safe schools. That plan was designed by a team from the military, the security services, the Ministry of Education, other stakeholders, and myself, I did play a lead role in the development of that document. So right now, that document, the implementation have commenced very gradually. The plan is based on what we call the whole society approach to school security. He says the philosophy of host society approach is taken from the African adage that says it takes the whole village to bring up a child. So he says that means every child, whether informal or informal places of learning, should be protected. President Sinibu's government has pledged to secure schools and prevent future kidnappings. However, the promise had yet to materialize, leaving Nigerians anxiously waiting for results. For VOA News, from Abuja, Nigeria. Cameroon says it has ordered an autopsy for Kenyan runner Charles Kipkorir Kipsang, who collapsed and died after crossing the finish line at the Mount Cameroon Race of Hope, on Saturday, Moki Edwin Kinzaka reports from Yaoundé, Cameroon. Cameroon officials say they are shocked over the death of Kenyan runner Charles Kipkori Kipsang at the end of the Mount Cameroon Race of Hope on Saturday. The annual race on the highest mountain in Central and West Africa, Mount Cameroon, has a difficult terrain of volcanic rocks and forests and is home to many wild animals, including elephants. The 39-kilometer race begins and ends in nearby Boya, capital of Cameroon's southwest region. Officials say Kipsang was leading more than 600 runners from 11 countries, but began to feel ill near the end. He collapsed shortly after crossing the line, finishing in 16th place. Bernard Okala Bilai is the governor of Cameroon's southwest region. The athlete, at 15 or 20 minutes from the arrival, had a malaise. He took some time and continued the race. The award of trophies went well. Some 30, 40 minutes after, we were informed that when he was going to collect his own price, he collapsed. When they arrived at the hospital, he already passed away. So we cannot say exactly what happened. Bilai said fans and supporters were surprised when Kipsang, who they expected to lift the trophy, collapsed for the first time three kilometers before the finish line, but kept on running. 
He was participating in the Mount Cameroon race for the first time. Kenyan athlete Cheboy William Ruto says he regrets the death of his countryman, whom they counted on to win trophies for the East African state, not only in Cameroon, but in other world competitions. Ruto says Kipsang's death is devastating to athletes who took part in the race for the first time. Let me take this opportunity to say so that it is so painful. I feel pain because it is my first time to run in a Cameroon mountain, but next time it will be okay for me. Next year I will participate. Kenya has not issued any statement on the death. Cameroon says it has informed the African Athletic Federation. Cameroon's sports minister Nassis Mwalekombi said autopsy results will be made public as soon as they are available. Then arrangements will be made for Kipsang's body to be flown to Kenya. Runners came from Congo, Ethiopia, France, Kenya, Lebanon, Morocco, Tanzania, Chad, Nigeria, Tunisia and Cameroon to race to the peak of Mount Cameroon, more than 4,100 meters above sea level. Cameroonian born Sabinda Elvis was crowned winner of the 29th edition of the race. He also won in 2022. Adamo Irene was the overall winner in the senior women's category. The International Union for the Conservation of Nature lists Mount Cameroon as the most diverse ecosystems in Cameroon and the 10th in the world. Kenya lost marathon world record holder Kelvin Kiptum in a car accident two weeks ago. Moki Edwin Kinzuka, VOA News, Yawundi, Cameroon. And a road crash in northern Tanzania has killed at least 25 people and injured 21 others, including several foreigners. President Samia Sulu Hassan said in a statement that a truck driver lost control of his vehicle on the road linking Arusha and Nanmanga and collided with three other vehicles Saturday evening. One of the vehicles were transporting foreigners who were volunteering at a school in Arusha. Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. And with that, we wrap up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Iheyes Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, David Van Dee, and our engineer, Bill Androdi, 
Thanks for choosing the Voice of America.